Well, hello, welcome. Uh, this is episode five. I got it right this week. Episode five, season one of Theology on Tap. My name is Seth Morin. I'm your host. Joining us around the table, we got Mark Siegert. Hey, guys. Good evening. Kevin Kreitzer. Hello. Kyle Blake. Hola. I knew somebody would say it. <laughs> uh, Kaylee's not in the room with us uh, today. She's at home recovering from some surgery. We pray that she uh, uh, heals up soon. Big hello to everybody on Zoom. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Good to see you. We got you on the big screen over here as well, uh, which means you get stuck with me as uh, the moderator as well. So if I get distracted and miss something, um, we'll, uh, we'll try not to do that. Anyway, uh, you can throw some stuff into the chat if you got a question or comment. Uh, we'll try to uh, deal with that as much as we can. If you haven't subscribed to Theology on Tap, uh, what are you waiting for? We're on all the big podcasting platforms, and while you're there, make sure you rate, chuck in a comment. That'd be fantastic, too. Last week on Theology on Tap, we spent our time discussing Luther's 95 Theses, led up to the 503rd anniversary of Luther's posting of those statements. And tonight, we get into this idea, and I'm going to use the Latin, simul justus et peccator or in English, simultaneously sinner and saint. Last week, we spent a lot of time uh, uh, about this after we turned the microphones off. And so we tried to hold a few things back. We had some emails flying back and forth. So I'm guessing we got a lot to say uh, about saints and sinners. Um, well, we'll see, yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll find out. Maybe we need to talk about it after all the election coverage. Anyway, Ooh, oh. we invite you to grab yourself a cold beer, warm glass of milk, hot cup of tea, bottle of water. And whatever you'd like, pull up a chair, join us as we chat tonight. So, uh, Mark, why don't you get us started, this idea of uh, Sinner Saint. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Seth. And uh, by the way, if I haven't said it, thanks for uh, you know, asking me to do this. This is a, a really a highlight of my week to, to come here and do this. Uh, like you said, our topic tonight is that, uh, that teaching we call simultaneously Sinner and Saint. Uh, and that is the idea that a redeemed child of God, a, a believer, someone who is justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed in Scripture alone, is at the same time also a sinner and also a saint. So I'm going to define the terms a little bit, uh, sinner and saint, and also then bring in some Scripture verses to say why we, uh, why we think through all this. So sin is um, actually... We might think as Christians it's a fairly easy concept, but there are actually a lot of cultures that really have no concept of sin. But our concept is of uh, sin is simply uh, missing the mark of God's perfect law. So if you think of God's law as a uh, as a bullseye, and there is nothing else around it, and you either hit the bullseye or you don't, and sin is missing that bullseye. And of course, the bullseye is uh, either incredibly small or invisibly small, since it is since it requires perfection. So here are some of the things that the Bible says about sin, and that tells us indeed we are sinners. Uh, I brought this passage in a few weeks ago for a different reason, but Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, The Lord looked and saw that every inclination of the human heart was only evil all the time. That sounds like we're sinners, uh, if, if we're people. Um, and then Psalm 51, David, who was also described as a man after God's own heart, David writes in Psalm 51, my sin is always before me. And that entire psalm really is kind of a, a recalling of his sin. Uh, and then one that we're very familiar with, I think, 1 John 8, or 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10, uh, says if we, ha if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And not only that, but we also make God out to be a liar. So if we say we're not sinners, uh, there's a lot of deception going on there. 
Uh, and then the last one, last Bible passage uh, related to sin that I want to talk about is uh, from Romans chapter 7. We throw that around a lot when we're having this topic. That's the last paragraph of Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 25. And uh, you're very familiar with that. You, This is where Paul says, I do not do the good that I want to do, and the, the good that I know I should do, I don't do, and the stuff that I do do, I don't do, and it's all do-do, and sin dwells in me. He says, I am wretched, in fact, in my flesh. With my flesh I serve the law of sin. So that's a little bit about what the Bible says. But uh, one of the things that uh, Lutherans over the years have observed, and other Christians too, is that the Scripture seems to um, use words of law in, in three different functions. Um, and so here's how I summarize those three different functions. The first use of the law is that use of the law which um, really is applied to me, and I can apply it very selfishly. Uh, God often says, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, so that things will go well for you. And so I think, oh, I, I want things to go well for me, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll give that law an extra look. And then the second use of the law that is um, in, some, in, in some senses part of the controversy of this topic is that uh, deep, hopeless, uh, just horrible angst that comes with, you're a sinner all the time, and you can't make things right again with you and your God, and it's just hopeless, and, you know, and uh, that's the second use of the law. But the third use of the law is one that I really like, and again, it's somewhat controversial, but it shouldn't be, I don't think, uh, is then God says to believers uh, who have been redeemed, now here's some other reasons why you might want to pay attention to the law, so that things will go well for your neighbor, so I like to think about the first use and the third use as, uh, as kind of having that distinction. And on the one hand, I want things to go well for me, but once I become a redeemed child of God, now I'm um, willing and able to really give up everything so that things will go well for my neighbor. So that's a little bit about sin, uh, and a little bit about what we call law, and then a little bit about saint. Uh, the word saint basically means that we are holy, we are perfect, we are completely pure, um, the Greek word is hagios, and uh, whether that means anything to anybody out there or not, I'm not sure. But uh, here's some things that the Bible has to say about sainthood um, and saintliness. Uh, Romans chapter 8, which is what Paul writes immediately after he goes through that sort of uh, cycle of, I'm, I'm a hopeless sinner, I'm a wretch, and the things I do I shouldn't do, and yada, yada. And immediately after he, st- he writes all that, he writes this, and this is important. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are on Christ Jesus. Now, no condemnation. So that's a current reality, uh, and that describes saintliness. And then Paul, in uh, one of my favorite letters that he wrote, uh, we, we call it the letter to the Ephesians, Paul begins that letter by saying, I'm writing to the saints who are also faithful in Jesus Christ. So he's like, you're saints, you recipients of this letter are saints now. And he uses that word nine different times in the letter that we call Ephesians, um, and Paul is continuing to say, hey, you're saints, if you're reading this. Nine times. Nine, Nine times. times. I, I used a computer to count, okay? Yeah. You know, computers are great that way. I, I was going back to Paris Bueller's Day off. Nine times. Nine. I don't remember him being sick nine times, <laughs> maybe because was he, he wasn't sick. I, sorry. I didn't go there till now, Seth, or <laughs> Kyle. Sorry. I did that again. Sorry. Um, 
and again, one of my favorite passages related to saintliness is comes from Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, where uh, the writer there says, uh, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. And holy is another word for saintly. It's, it's pure, it's perfect, and that's that hagios word there. And blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. And as believers, we indeed share in that first resurrection. We have been reborn in Christ, and that is our uh, our first resurrection, and we have been uh, tied to Christ's resurrection through our baptism. Uh, there's lots of things we could talk about there in baptism and how that uh, brings us to that first resurrection, but I want to I want to move on. Um, in my experience, this topic, sinner and saint, uh, leads to three important discussions, important ways of applying it. Uh, first off, the questions are: Are God's children really both of these things, sinner and saint? Are they really both of these things at the same time? And if so, how should we teach and preach and talk to others? And I think that's the, that's the really fruitful question right there. Um, these are really important discussions. This is one of the important points that I want to try to bring to the table tonight. These are important discussions for everybody in the church, not just pastors and, and theologian types. At one time or another, all of us as Christians are going to be teaching, studying, and talking with brothers and sisters in the faith. We're going to be leading others and being led by others in our walk as disciples. We're going to learn with and learn from other people. So how we apply this sinner-saint thing is critical for everybody, not just a bunch of pastors sitting around a table on a Thursday night. So here's kind of my answers, but only the beginning of uh, it seems to me that we are indeed both sinner and saint. So the answer to the first question, are we really both? It seems that's true. And um, we are now redeemed holy children of God, and this is the gospel, and God's commands are still actively spoken to us, and we still break them, and this is the law. And yes, I think we are all agreeing around this table uh, that we are both at the same time. Maybe we can talk about that. But I think the final question is probably the place where we're going to find the most fruitful discussion the rest of the evening. Uh, how should we talk with others about this? Should we rely on sequence? Should we always start with the law, as some people think we should do, as we're talking to others? Should we always begin with the law? That's a, a sequence kind of question. But there's other questions. How much should we apply each of these, and how much should we talk about each of them? So this is a matter of emphasis. Do we proclaim the gospel so much that people think the law is no longer speaking to them? Do we remind uh, believers that they are sinners, and do we heap sin upon sin and all of its most dire consequences on believers every time we meet with them? Do we add hurt to hurt by, by uh, you know, improperly emphasizing things? Um, do we only talk about what, uh, what Pastor Johnstone called the sin du jour? Are we only going to talk about one sin that happens to be the, the sort of most important sin we think of this day, or, or, and at the risk of letting other sins go? Uh, and then the other piece, the other way to look at it is balance. How can we comfort, and I think this is the heart of some of what we were talking about last week, how can we comfort the hearts of those who are rightly discomforted, and how do we discomfort the hearts of those who are wrongly comforted, and how do we know which is which? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and I say that how we answer those questions depends on a lot of things, but it depends especially if we're talking to a group of believers or an individual, and I think it also depends on if we're talking to a believer or a non-believer. And I think it takes a pastor's heart, and I'm going to go back to something I said a little bit ago. I think everyone 
from time to time, needs a little bit of a pastor's heart, even if they think they're not a pastor. It takes humility and, and, and care and time to think about how to apply all of these things. So there you go. There's my introduction. I rambled on again a little bit longer than uh, I think I wanted to. Right but, at 10 uh, minutes. Good job. Yeah, oh, okay, you good. Had the, you had the I, I will stop talking then. Guys, uh, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Uh, right? You know, I mean, if we want to begin real quick just on the affirmation of what, you know, are we both saint and sinner? Um, I think you can't avoid the texts that talk about believers in both contexts. Um, one of the Bible passages you didn't use uh, is First Timothy 15, uh, 1.15, where St. Paul says, I am a sinner first, um, okay. w- which we translate into chief, uh, okay. right? Uh, chief of sinners and doubles down on that again. It's the same exact word that Jesus is accused of hanging out with. Uh, he's a friend of sinners. So in the Greek, it's the same exact term. Okay. That no condemnation text, I love that one. If you read on, you know, why is there no condemnation? Because the law of the spirit of life has let me has set me free from the law of sin and death, which the sinful nature was powerless to, to conquer on its own, right. right? So that humanity is by nature sinful seems to be an answer to the question is yes right. Uh, right. From, from the text. And for text. that matter, I think Romans 7 and 8 should be read together as a unit. I think it should be one chapter. Well, the whole book of Romans is well, okay. usually read together. I mean, the, the whole chapter and verse thing was added much, much later. Yeah, but that's, so. one, that's one that All the really books, bugs me. Book. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I, I get it, but that one was, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> as far as the saint side of it goes, um, I think a couple of the interesting, you know, nuances, you know, in Scripture, I believe that which is called holy most often is actually utensils. In the Old Testament. Okay, in the Old Testament. Sure, right. sure. These are things God set aside. He declared them to be holy, set them aside for, for a holy purpose, right? He does that same with his people, right, as he does with the word worship objects in the Old Testament. Uh, and so that's, you know, it's the same word St. Paul uses, at least in the Greek translation of the right. Old Testament, um, that we are holy, uh, we are saints. When L- Luther and the Reformers introduced this concept anew, if, if these are scriptural truths, then it isn't a new invention. It's a rediscovery, right? Right. Um, there wouldn't have been anyone in the culture of the time who would have argued with the notion that they were a sinner. That, that was, that's what God was. He was an angry, vengeful judge, and everyone was a sinner, and you weren't ever hoping you were going to escape life to go to heaven. We talked about that last week. You know, you get to go to purgatory where right. you're going to suffer because you right. are a sinner. With the reformers, the, the the aha of the introduction is you're also a saint. That was the shocking thing. In our world, it's probably just the reverse, right? Mm. Yes, in, yes, in, yes, yes, yes. In our world, it's probably more shocking to hear, what do you mean I am, you know, actually by nature sinful? Um, but in, in that world, that was indeed the aha moment. That we are both at the same time, I would agree with you that that is what the scripture says, I think that might be worth mining a little bit. Okay. Um, simply because if you don't acknowledge that to be true from a Christian perspective, it it can lead you to some 
really dangerous places. Well, and I think that, you know, you can start the argument about, I don't know how many rabbits we want to ch- chase and how theological we want to get. I said rabbits last week, too. It's two weeks in a row, right? Two for two. That's um, what we chase here. But, but uh, you know, original sin, right? I mean, you've got some church bodies that don't acknowledge original sin. Our church body does, some meaning that we're... Some church some, fathers. Some church fathers, <laughs> some that I actually like, right? don't acknowledge... You know? You know. Um, and, and original sin is just that concept of sinful since the time of conception, right? It's been passed on. It's a... Uh, Inherited. It's in an inherited. DNA. It's a. It's it's a. It's a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> right. So, Thanks, Adam and uh, Eve. Yeah, and uh, and and that we all get right. Um, yeah, and so you can chase that rabbit because then that leads to, you know, or you can even talk about the fact that I sent this in an email, like we had said earlier. We were emailing back and forth this week. You know, I said, you know, I'm a sinaholic mm-hmm. who was given sobriety by Jesus. Complete sobriety. Complete sobriety, but I still struggle with my addiction. Yeah. And so almost like when I when I go to church, it's like Cineholics Anonymous. Yeah, because I have to take my pin off many times every day. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, and that's the thing is it's like, so I show up and I say, guys, I, I, I did it again. I did it again. And that's where I get reminded that, no, you've been given sobriety, live in the sobriety. So, I mean, just a lot of different ways we can go mm-hmm. with this. And dead air. <laughs> so that becomes, well, I yeah, I think that's, you know, uh, well-spoken. The In my head, the reason there's dead air is in my head I'm paraphrasing Romans 7 and 8 into a, a sort of an addict uh, terminology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? But I, I think it's the easiest thing to, it, yeah. that's to understand that's in easy, our current that's context. That's an easy yeah. uh, analogy to grasp onto, right? And so the... The assertion that Christians are at the same time saints and sinners is an assertion that you have a sinful nature, and at the same time, you are a new creature in Christ, declared righteous for the sake of him who gave himself for us uh, and was raised again, right? So I am both of these at one time, right? Uh, And so the, uh, the analogy to my Lord is, you know, imperfect here, but the, he is true human and true man. Although his humanity is sinless humanity, right? He, right. He didn't. He didn't get the disease, right? He did, right? Well, and uh, and so I did, you did, everyone has except for him. It, it's another one of those things that we hold in tension, you know, because because we because we, we can't really. You're right. I mean, a, 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 an addict, whatever addiction that is. When you go to meetings, and I've been to a lot of those meetings before too, you know, you might be living in your sobriety, but right. you are an addict. Yeah. Still. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's yeah. always on yeah. your mind. Yeah. And you are both of those at the same time. And I like what you said there, Kevin, you know, that that truly human and truly God at the same time, it's those, it's those things we hold in tension. There's a lot of things in theology we hold in tension. I had a seminary professor who said, you know, we hold these things in tension because that's what the text says. Right. And if you lose the tension, you lose the truth. Mm-hmm. And once you lose that tension, meaning you're going to go too, one, so far on one side that you lose that tension of the other side, now you've strayed too far, and now you're not actually expressing all of what Scripture says. But what gets really... It's tricky is what you did at the at the end there, Mark. Is then when do we 
express that that so I think that good news I, and, and not before we get there. Let's can I just really quickly on that second point. I think uh, when I said you've got, you you can fall into danger. Obviously, the one danger could be the Pharisee side of mm-hmm. I am all that. Yeah, and right? a bag of chips. And, and yeah, the, I think the more dangerous one, the one we the one that we have to watch. I think we call that virtue signaling in today's <laughs> lingo. You, go. you know, right. Yeah. right? The the one that I think is 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 more dangerous that we have to guard from are those Christians who would say once you are a Christian, the only nature you have is new creature. Right. You are only saint. Um, yes, some of them can be Pharisees. More often than not, you don't become a Pharisee because you still know what you're thinking or what you're feeling and what you're doing. And you maybe begin to think everyone else is a saint, but you know you are only sinner, right? right. And if you get to that point, really what you end up finding yourself in is every time I fall, I'm back at Genesis 3.15. I need to hide from God. And unless he finds me, I am always barred from that tree of life, right? And and the the uh, holding these tensions that yes, I am a sinner, but even when I sin, I am still His and in His kingdom, and and you know because I have a wretched man that I am, not you know done the things I should do and or done the things I shouldn't do. I've I've lived through Romans seven. Doesn't mean I still don't at the exact same time live in Romans 8. Yeah. I heard once that Satan doesn't need to tempt us to sin. We'll do that on our own. Satan needs to convince us that the sin we've convinced we've committed is unforgivable. unforgivable. Yeah. Or or the opposite side that my sin is not as bad as your sin. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, that's the other side of the the Pharisee I, kind of side yep. of the table, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess as Lutheran Christians because we are all Lutherans around this table, right? Uh, what what do you think? Do we tend to lean more towards I mean, you talk about the tension, right? But mm-hmm. you're always, you, it's a tightrope, and so you tend to fall off on one side or the other, right? So would you say we tend to fall off on the I, a poor, miserable sinner, or tend to fall off on the I, a redeemed child of God more often? Do you want me to answer as a... I want you to answer as a as a person who grew up, if you grew up in the okay. Lutheran church, okay. person who grew up not in the Lutheran church, pastor, not as a pastor that okay. with, the, with the right theological answer. I want your answer. Do I tend... I, I First off, I won't claim to speak for my fellow Lutherans because I've met all kinds. I can only speak for myself. Right, yeah. I probably tend to fall into the, um, I don't know, I'm going to let Kevin answer because i got to think about that. Because we have a live Zoom forth. audience, right? If you're on the Zoom audience and you want to throw something in the chat and go, you know yeah, what, yeah. this is the way I feel that when I hear yeah. things, this is Cor- where it tends to lean. The, so there's two, do we... Where do I fall? Corporately, as Lutherans engage... Publicly might be a different answer than how do we personally as Lutherans orientate, right? Uh, so those are two different things. And uh, Mark was talking about, uh, you know, pastor heart, right? So you, at our callings, we are all pastors, but we're also all preachers. And I think mm-hmm. we understand the difference of that. Right. Uh, using different vocabulary, all of us are speakers, but all of us are also shepherds. Right. And I think how we how we engage people needs to be cultural or individual, what, where they're at at that point. Um, I think a, a great story that kind of goes in with this, I don't know the veracity of it. It could just be fable, but it's still a great story. It's that story of that little German girl who was growing up in, in the printer's home when the Bible is first being translated into German in her world. She finds a scrap of paper, reads it, uh, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. 
The rest of it isn't printed out. She doesn't know what it says. It's never come to her language. We know what it says, but she doesn't. She crumples up the piece of paper, puts it in her pocket. Eventually, her mother notices a change in her and says, what is going on with you? Girl produces the piece of paper. Mother reads it, and mom asks the daughter, what did he give? Mom doesn't know either. Daughter says, I don't know, but if he loved me enough to give anything for me, I, I need not fear him, right? So part of that is contextual. Are, are we dealing with someone who is afraid? If so, you better start talking, God loves you. He has redeemed right? you. Yeah. He gave Amen. for you, right? Yeah. And, and if we're dealing with someone who is, God better be afraid of me, Right. that's when you need to say, dirty, rotten sinner, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so that I think that, personally, I would say I, I probably I probably answer that question in all honesty back and forth based upon where I am at at that moment. Yeah, different seasons right? of my life. That's what or I've Or even concluded. different hours. You know, yeah. if I just thought yeah. and said something that I know is appalling that I'm hoping no one is finding out, I am speaking David's words. I am a worm, not a man. Uh, or Paul's words, oh, what a wretched person I am. Intriguingly enough, those two con- those two sentences, they don't speak of anyone else. Right. So maybe that's something for us to learn too. Yeah. If what we're saying is what a worm you are, what a wretched person you are, maybe we need to be saying what they said after that, which is, but thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, you know, or in, in David's case, you know, but the Lord saves, right? So, and, and I think that that's, you know, you're right. As a, as a pastor, as a preacher, as, as a shepherd, as someone who, you know, is a, a you know, missionary in your everyday life, you do have to do that. I, but there's a part of it, like when I'm looking in the mirror, what am I seeing, right? Am I seeing, oh, what a wretched man I am, or thanks be to God that I've been redeemed. You know what I mean? Same text. And it'd be uh, great to see both of them at the same time, right? It, it would. Because then he gets all the glory. Right. If, I, if, you know, if I fail to see the sin in me, and I only see his work of redemption, that might diminish his glory somewhat, right? When I when I see what a wretched man I am, yet thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, I am loved and redeemed. I know that that love and that redemption, I have no part in other than as an open hand, right? And maybe I maybe we should flip it on its head then, as a pastor, as a preacher, in the in the place that 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 you and the communities that you run in, mm-hmm. do you tend to say, you know what we? I probably in my my shepherding and preaching, and I'm not talking. I know the majority of us work at Bethany. You know, I'm not talking Bethany. Like when you stand up on a Sunday morning, you guys need to hear the law. You know, it's I think. But I mean, your friends, your family, the people you do life you with. You guys need to hear the law. Yeah, um, you know, the, that's from your senior pastor, yeah, by the way. The the, thi- the 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 things you, the people you do life with. Would you say that there's more of a a, a like you know we're already bad people we really need to hear grace like we're just beat down or is it more of a like hey we're we're the greatest things in sliced bread and it's like let me tell you some some let me spit a little truth here right here what, do, what would you think i don't know kyle i, I i'm asking I'm, questions I'm, 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 yeah <laughs> and that's cool and i'm going to give my honest what i think is my honest answer right now and i don't know that you're going to like it but i try to uh not default to anything or another. I'm going to give you a, a possible story that actually is, is I crossed it out in my notes here, but if I'm talking to a young woman who's in her thirties, let's say, and she's struggling with her broken relationship with her mom and she's talking to me and saying, you know, I, I'm just having trouble getting over all this 
my, my mom is doing this, saying this, and, and she's just not treating us very well, and I'm just having trouble getting over it. I'm not going to go, hey, look, you know, let's take a look at the fourth commandment and see what it says about how you have to honor mom and dad, even if they go too far. That's a quote from the, from the large catechism. I'm going to start talking to her about, hey, you know what? God loves your mom, and God loves you, too, through all of this. So I'm going to kind of try to bring it that way. And, and when she hears God loves her mom, she might be going, ugh. So you want me to love my mom, too. So there's actually law even in that statement in her, in her head. But then I can say, you know, if, if you're having trouble with that, just remember God loves you, even, even in this struggle. So, I mean, what do I lean to? Whatever the situation, what, and, and that's when I say the pastor's heart. How do I know, especially with a large group of people, how do I know what the situation calls for? Oh, yeah, it's a hard one, man. It, it's very situational, you know, and I mean, it's the same thing that happens in a Bible study setting or a group setting. You know, somebody's going to ask this question, and, you know, they're going to ask, you know, whatever. There's always those questions that people want to try to zing the pastor with. Mm. And oftentimes we rush to the answer, mm. or we rush to the theological, the the right you know, systematic, yeah, whatever. This is what my seminary professor told me to say. Yeah, right, exactly. And and we jump to those things. And I think sometimes we need to take that beat and we need to pause and maybe we need to ask that question, why do you ask? Mm -hmm. Because there's a reason why they're asking that question. What's the question behind the question? Yeah, always a question behind the question. Yeah, I I think I agree with the guys that, that, that it's situational. I think to address your question specific, though, generally speaking, mm-hmm. generally. Right? generally speaking, I would say most of my Christian connections really kind of have a grasp on they are a saint and a sinner in a, in a healthy way. Right. I would say most of my non-Christian connections hear loud and clear that Christians really figure out they're a saint and mm, you're the center. center. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so somehow right? we come so, across it that way, don't we? Without yeah, a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. And I think that, you know, the question then becomes is how does that change? Like how are we honest, not just with ourselves, yeah. right? Because, I mean, when we come to church, I, I mean, I do it sometimes. You, you know, it, you're driving to church with your family. You're yelling at each other. Kids are literally <laughs> in the backseat cursing, right, at least yeah. in my family. And then you get to church and everybody puts the church face on. Yeah. Everything is great, that, you know. That's the best preacher analogy to use because there's not a single family that hasn't had that happen to them, right? Yeah. <laughs> or you're actually in the parking lot and you start, you know, in your mind, the person who backs out crazily, right? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you, you know, and, and then it's like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. What's going on? You know, God, God bless, bless you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're living in that saint sinner, you know, moment. I, I think about the the old Disney cartoon with uh, with uh, uh, Goofy. Is he's uh, on each other? Bugs Bunny? Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about the one where he he's uh, he's Mister Pedestrian and then oh, he's yeah. he's Mister oh, yeah, Driver yeah, 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 yeah. too, yeah. and he's yeah, just completely yeah. flipped. You know, he's yep. super nice and polite in one way. He's saying hello to everybody. He's got everything all buttoned up. He gets behind the wheel. He just turns into a demon. And he's you know honking at everybody and cutting people off and yelling at everybody. And and it's the same person, you know. It, it, you know, you talked earlier about going to a um, a twelve step meeting, 
right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, as part of our, at least for us, Mark, our three of us, right? Because we all went through the same program. You, there was pastor's counselor. You had to go to a 12-step meeting. And I remember that 12-step meeting really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because I like, think you, you should know, have to go to more than one, Yeah, by the but, way. I, but I'm saying like... I've been to you know, many more yeah, than yeah, one. But, but, that's I, whole but what I'm saying is just the fact is, is they were all sitting around and everyone knew. Like, you know, and I had to announce that I was a visitor and the reason why I was visiting, but everybody else was there because they struggled with alcohol. I went to an AA meeting, right? And uh, and even the court appointed individuals, like the rest of the individuals were like, no, no, buddy, you struggle with alcohol. The, the court wouldn't put you here if you didn't, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You, you had to do something. And so there was this common baseline of like, we all, we all struggle, we're all in right. This We're boat all together. in this boat together. We all struggle, and whoever walked in the door, and even as a visitor, it's like they almost wanted to press me and be like, "So, you know, uh, do you really struggle, or do you just, you know, are you just here trying to, you know?" And, and I kind of wonder, like, almost sometimes, I would love to see the culture of church being kind of like a twelve-step meeting, mm-hmm. where it's like when you walk in, it's like I'm not better than you. I might have more years of sobriety, quote unquote, right? I might have, of, of, you know, given into my sinful nature less this week. We had that discussion last night about like somebody was like well i don't remember when i I, we do a devotion on wednesday nights and uh like a zoom call and somebody was talking about like i know i sinned today you know and i know i i asked for forgiveness for the sins i know and those i don't know and i said well sometimes your your saintly nature leads you're Mm -hmm. not always sinning 24 7 right and and we are able to not sin correct right right? that goes back to that old latin phrase right before the fall adam and eve are able to sin after the fall, before conversion, we are not able to not sin. Uh, you know, after conversion, we are able to not sin, and in eternity, we are not able to sin. So, in that moment of conversion, is when it switches. Then that's when you have a new nature, right? Right. Yeah. So you are not only a fallen creature; you are also a new creation in Christ. Okay. Well, and that gets into and one that, of the that questions. has to do from God's God's vantage point, right? Not necessarily. Real quick, I at the one of the AA meetings I went to, one of the guys in there said, you know, you have to get to a point where even your hair hurts, you know, <laughs> and he was like, and he wasn't speaking to me, but he was speaking to another person in the room who was struggling deeply, crying because of their struggle, and he just laid it on heavier. <laughs> you, know, well, you haven't got to the point where your hair hurts yet. You're not done yet. <laughs> and, I, and I know that you're going to talk to about one of the questions that's written on the screen, you know, and, and when that nature switches. But I just want to go down the 12-step analogy a little bit more and kind of explain. Like, it it was amazing for me the fact that, you know, sometimes you walk into church and people feel like I have to have all my stuff together, right? I got I to gotta dress to the nines. I got to look. I got to fit in. But when you walk into a 12-step meeting, it's like, no, man, you, you could look that way, but we know you still got a problem. And there's that honest, like, just kind of, you know, this is who we are. And we're all in this together. And I will tell you, that's the the, the most freeing part of those meetings is to know, you know, you're not hiding. You're not putting up a facade. Nobody's going to believe it anyway in that meeting, you know. And there's because they've told all the lies themselves. Right. (laughs) They recognize them. They live that. And and to see that, 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 to, to experience that freedom in that meeting is pretty life changing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's that moment now going back to the question, it's that moment of conversion, whether that be at baptism for an infant or whether that be at a proclamation of faith for an adult. Right. Um, you know, we can go down that road too. That's a whole different podcast for a different day, but anyway, don't have time. For um, that one. But, but I think that that's where it's that kind of like, no, 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 no. You've been made sober. You've been mm-hmm. set free, you know, now, now learn to live in that sobriety, you know, 
Yeah, the, the question, yeah. Just, just to give that, you know, in, in the chat, uh, Dan asked, you know, are we uh, conceived and born as a sinner and saint, or are we born as a sinner only and become a saint when we believe? That's kind of what, what Kyle's uh, running down. Yeah, we're, I, I think the scriptural passages would, would affirm that we are born and conceived by nature, fallen and unclean sinners. Right, right. If you want to use, if we surely I was sinful from birth, yeah. from the time my mother conceived, conceived me. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> the the saint part is a declarative, right? God right. declares us to be holy or sets us apart. So that is not something that we have by nature. It's something we receive as a gift, and it comes to us through faith. And through the work of the Spirit. Now, whether that is that faith is is granted to us, you know, when we're baptized, whether it comes when we're ninety two, uh, reading uh, King James in the roadside motel, you know, that that part is when God brings us into His kingdom, we are saints. And and that's maybe where where the the analogy with the twelve step kind of breaks down. Mm-hmm. And you said it really well, Kyle. You know, we we've been given sobriety. You know. Um, oftentimes, you know, in, in an addict's life, that you reach that point where they—that's just the only—it's that or death, you know. But I, and I, I but, th- yeah, that, but that is good. I think that's important just for us to, to, you know, understand. And this kind of comes back around to that whole conversation with the the people outside of the community of faith. Um, twofold here. One is, yeah, you have to have your hair uh, hurt, hurt right? You have to hit rock bottom. Right. Well, in some respects, probably most of us around this table never hit rock bottom sin wise because we were saints. Well, in terms of before we came, right, became right, saints, because right, right, right. we were declared saints. Well, I was 15 days we old. We don't right. remember yeah, yeah, that yeah. moment. December 18, yeah, 1977. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, I mean, that boom right there. Right. Now, I think when that goes back to, so I think that answers the question. Right. So, sainthood is something that comes. Outside of us. Outside of us. Extra nos. As a gift at some point after your conception and birth. That, that was Kyle with the Latin there, just yeah. by the way. Just mark yeah. that one down. And <laughs> everyone everyone gets the first one, the center part. I do think as we start talking to the world, like we like we said, you know, the the world maybe hears from us loud and clear that we're saints and that they're sinners. And I think part of part of what we need to remind ourselves I think you used a great term, Mark, at the outset with the sin du jour type idea. Mm. So often, even in like the Pauline texts, no one like this will inherit the kingdom of God and you get all the, the, the things. And the church has quite often throughout ages picked a few of those things. And made those the worst possible. And yet in every one, I think you, can, you, you guys can look, and I could be wrong, but I kind of think in every one of Paul's lists, gossip is in it. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I don't think there's ever been a church that hasn't had a gossip sitting in the seat you sit in because we all love to gossip, right? And so that, So do you, you know, preach gossip or against gossip every Sunday? No, no, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that one thing with that whole identifying that we're all in the same boat, the, the way you're connecting with, with your non-Christian friends is probably not best to start with what a worm and a wretched person you are. <laughs> but- you know what? I know a God who loves you. Well, and, and I had a friend one time, and, and for the sake of uh, not running down any rabbit holes 
too deep, but who, you know, we were sitting there talking and he was like, you know, do you think this is a sin? Would you say that God doesn't agree with this choice that I make in my life, right? And, and I said, no, but it's no better or no worse than these choices I make in my life. And, and I think that that is, um, you know, we like, we like to pick sins that I'm not comfortable with Exactly. We like That's to pin sins that I don't struggle with, right? Or if I do struggle, I struggle very secretly. I don't want anybody to know. So then I want to make even louder that, you know, oh, we need to preach against this, you know, to, to almost condemn the thing mm-hmm. that I'm struggling with constantly, right? Um, and those are the ones we want people to preach on. We don't want people to preach on gossip. Or the things I'm, yeah, I'm struggling yeah, with. Yeah, or the things the, that I struggle with. The reason with. I was chuckling at the beginning is I'm sure someone would say it's a sin to watch uh, The Simpsons. Uh, but I couldn't help but remember that that episode where uh, Pastor Lovejoy sitting next to Marge, and she was asking if something was a sin, and he said, have you ever read this? It's all a sin. <laughs> Technically, you can't even go to the bathroom. Or, you know, I forget exactly what it was. but. <laughs> and I think that that, you know, so so – it, um, before I came to, to record this podcast, I happened to be um, driving through our old neighborhood and we, we used to live in downtown Long Beach and um, and there was a shooting. Uh, there happened to be a shooting right before we drove down there and I was talking about it before we went, you know, started recording and I talked about the fact that uh, as I was driving past, I happened to be driving past when they were identifying the possible shooters, right? The guys who, who possibly were doing the shooting. So I got to see who these guys were. And what struck me was the fact that Really, my heart went out to them. My heart went out to the victims, right? Those the people that were shot, absolutely. But my heart went also out, went out to them, and I was thinking to myself, like, who comes up next to them? Because we like to look at guys like that and be like, you you just deserve hell. And the reality is, so do I. So do I. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and 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 when you when you start like really starting to go, no, there's a level playing field when we're talking about sin. There's not this level of sins in God's eyes, in man's eyes, and laws and and rules and and what will you know put you in incarceration versus what won't. You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's there's kind of that, but in God's eyes, there's not. Yeah, on the earthly plane, we are awfully glad that breaking the speed limit doesn't get you the death penalty. Correct. Right. But it does. But on the eternal plane, right, all sin is sin. Right. And I think that the the missing the mark analogy that, that Mark began with, um, it, it I guess it doesn't matter how big the bullseye is or how small it is, in the term of you have to hit bullseye all the time right, right, right. from birth to death and just miss once and it's all lost. Yeah, even Jesus says, "Be perfect as your as father, your and father, and father is perfect. perfect." Yep. And I think that that's a thing that even in this whole sinner saint paradigm, like I and can, I am in Christ, right? Yeah. Right, right. And I'm not in me. Correct. And and I think that you know I can if I wrestle long enough with this, go, okay, I'm a, a sinner who's been saved by grace, and and so you know, but I think the hard part is looking at my neighbor and going, and so are you. Like that's why I keep. That's why I think the AA meeting really kind of affected me. The twelve step meeting was just kind of like, we all are in this together, and it doesn't matter if you got drunk five minutes and, ago or got drunk fifteen years ago. And so, having said that, that, can we go back to to the question real quick? That one minute. It is important to note that while sainthood is declared upon us when we are connected to God through faith, God's forgiving love and grace in Jesus Christ is over us now, even as sinners. Right. Christ died for the sins of the world, not just for the saints of the world. Right. Right. He died for the sins of the world, 
And, and so that gets into maybe a conversation well, we'll talk about at some point, yeah. uh, objective versus subjective justification. Yeah. But your neighbor... Active versus passive. Kind yeah. of two kinds yeah. of... Limited right. atonement yeah. versus... Limited you know atonement. Yeah. 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 Whoa, whoa. Hold, hold on. Hold on. You guys are going crazy. <laughs> Pull it back in. Are we, are we getting near the end of the time or what? No, no, no. no. Okay. I just, you, you threw out like eight different yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. there. About <laughs> I know, some notes. Well, we're I, just had, do I just had this discussion with a friend of mine who's reformed and, and re, re, you know, our reformed brothers who I, you know, love dearly, um, but they would say Christ died for the sins of believers. Right. And I would say, well, didn't Christ die for the sins of the world? Right. You know, and, and sin, and so, uh, plural, singular of the right. world. And, yeah. and, and so, yeah, that is a whole different podcast and a whole different rabbit trail. And there might be somebody listening right now going, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, and, and great, awesome. So, you know, you can send us in. an email. Yeah, well, send us an email and we can talk about it later. But, um, but I, I think that it is realizing when I'm talking to someone who's not yet realizing that they can have sainthood through faith in Christ Jesus. I guess you know. that's that's my question, Seth. As I as I hear all this, and we're and we're acknowledging that maybe the the non-believing world hears that we all think we're saints, and we're all pretty clear at communicating that. That leads to two things, at least in my head. So, should we at least tell them, "Oh, I am a saint," but you can be one too, or should we start telling the people of the church? Stop coming across as saints, and so do we need to pound them again with the with the law? Do we maybe we do need to tell them every week? all this miserable, horrible stuff that they are so that they don't, so that they walk out of the church knowing that. I don't know. Well, know? but I also think, I, I also think that uh, now we're getting down. I, I don't think we should do that, by the way. Yeah. I'm just throwing well, it out there. But, but I think that also comes to, and this could be a whole other podcast about preaching, you know, used to the old adage was you didn't talk about yourself when preaching, right? You, you preach the text, law, gospel, and you're out, right? I mean, eight to 10 minutes max and you should be done. And, and, Eight um, to ten minutes. What church were you was, going to? Yeah, man? I know, right. Uh, Twenty-five to forty-five. 20 minutes. Your your sermon so should be as long three, as the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, three parts, but I, I, seven minutes apart. I, I think the 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 reality is is the person who is preaching might struggle with what he he if we're LCMS or, or she if we're outside that you know is preaching against. Um, and, and sometimes it might not be wrong to admit that. And that's mm -hmm. just personally, that's, totally. I mean, that's just kind of how I approach it. Right. If, yeah. if I'm like, Hey guys, I struggle with this too, but let's talk about what Jesus is calling all of us to do. Right. It, it's that whole, um, you know, when you're talking about the, <laughs> I, I, so the sixth commandment is Lutherans, uh, number it is you shall not commit adultery. Right. right. And, uh, was talking about that in the confirmation class years ago. And I get a phone call the next day from the mom uh, of some kid and she's like what did you talk about last night and I'm like why and she's like my kid got in the car looked at me and goes mom do you ever have sex with anybody outside of dad right and she's like you know and it was like a horrific moment right and and so it's kind of one of those things that it's like well, we need to look at Christ and what he calls us to rather than what I did or didn't do right. type thing right you know? again so. that's that pastor's heart trying to discern What's the right thing to say? But I'm going to go back to I, everybody has I, to discern that at some point. Go ahead. Without it, I think maybe as opposed to do, and like you said, you don't believe that, uh, but just so everyone, everyone hears something as opposed to you are a dirty, rotten sinner, reminding them that it, the, it's the other side. That person out there is no more sinful than you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, I think that's the more important thing that we begin to grasp because that's, what I think, what we wrestle with more, that there are 
those pe- those people are right. bad. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm not I got great. some bad things. I'm not great. And that's where the first, second, and third use of the law comes in handy. Because now, mm-hmm. now I'm thinking about the law in terms of what's good for my neighbor. And that helps me understand how I'm going to respond to my neighbor. But I think it's, I mean, the other side of that coin, you know, and I think you're, you're, we're going to say the same thing, and I'm going to say it in a different way, is that sometimes you just got to hear, your sins are forgiven on account of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you just got to hear those oh, yeah. words. You know, because, you Not know. Not sometimes. No, no, no. Well, and I, but I mean, sometimes people just dance around it, and they talk about mm-hmm. that Jesus forgives sinners, you know, and that's not necessarily that that proclamation of the gospel, that's talking about it. And there's that's, there's two different things. Again, that's another whole podcast probably too. Dude, we get like, you're going to have to read through this or listen through this. I again, know. Sadly. We're going to have, have to like get a lot of them. different ideas. <laughs> but I, and I think that that's important though, is like Christ died for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's telling folks Christ died for you. Um, Christ died for me as well. And I think that that's where, you know, going to those who, are not yet realizing the sainthood that's available to them through faith in Christ, right? It, is it's, you know, I've, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I've heard that a lot, right? But I can be a good person. Uh, you know, I don't think yeah. that works out so yeah. well, you know, but Christ died for you. Um, it, and I think that that, that becomes freeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, maybe that's a good place to stop or else we're going to go all night again. So, um, Thanks a lot. That's a lot of fun. Good conversation. Thank you guys for joining us on Zoom. Uh, so good to have you guys with us. If you want to join us live, we're recording for a few more weeks in this season. We record Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Pacific time. This is the fall of 2020 if you're listening on the podcast. If you want to join us live in the next couple of weeks, you can send an email, theologyontap1517 at gmail.com. You'll get the Zoom link sent to you. Uh, as always, you can listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We encourage you to share it with your friends on social media, um, send an email, text them the link, whatever you need to do. Um, next week, Mark, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, we're going to continue in our theme of uh, sort of uh, high points uh, that come out of the Reformation. In this case, we're going to look at the, the, the phrase that Luther uttered as he uh, finally kind of read through Romans and started to understand what was going on when he said, it is as if the gates of heaven were opened up before me. And what a wonderful feeling uh, feeling uh, and revelation that is. So Fantastic. that's where we're going tomorrow or next week. Wonderful. Looking forward to that from all of us here. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Theology on Tap. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, all.